If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, as we continue our series of messages entitled Faith That Works from the book of James. James chapter 3. And this morning, our message is entitled A Faith That's Filled with Wisdom. A Faith That's Filled with Wisdom. Do you have the scripture ready? Are 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 you with me this morning? You got it? Okay, I know some of you, you're not turning your Bibles because you say, oh, pass. they're going to put it up on the screen anyway, right? Right? But follow along in your Bibles. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Right? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such Wisdom, or so-called wisdom, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so, Lord, we ask you to bless your word to us today. Give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me say it's so good to see some of you here that we haven't seen in a while. And thank you for coming. And I know some of us um, are still wearing our mask. And I want to tell you that's okay. And I have my mask in my pocket. And so if if you're wearing a mask and I greet you, I'll put my mask on for you, okay? Um, but so good, and I get to see some of your faces. I haven't seen your face in a while, right? Some of you lost a few teeth or what? No, I'm just kidding, you know? (laughs) So, you know, we've been going through um, the book of James. We've been asking the question and answering the question, what does real faith look like? What does it mean to have real faith? If that is a faith that saves, we might say a faith that works, And James is calling us to back up our words of faith, that is, our claim of faith in Jesus, our claim to have been born again, with a lifestyle that reflects our faith and the work of Christ within us. As we've said, James has been making the point very clear that only a faith that works is a faith that works. And if you notice, his words are very practical, are they not? I mean, he's just really down to earth, not a lot of like high, you know, thinking theological thoughts, all very, very practical for us. So let me ask you a question as we begin this morning. How do you know a wise person from a non-wise person? And that's probably being nice verbally, right? Non-wise person. How do you know a wise person from a non-wise person? What test would you use to be able to say, oh, so-and-so is so wise, And I know we could come up with all kinds of answers. You know, oh, you know, they know so much or, you know, what comes out, you know, what comes out of their mouth, you know, and so forth. Or they've succeeded in so many different ways. But you see, most of our answers would be based on our human understanding of wisdom. But you see, as people of faith, we have to ask, well, how does the Bible define wisdom? A wise person. How does James here define a wise person? And that's what we're looking at today. And so once again, James returns to a subject he's already touched upon. We see him doing this throughout his letter. For in James chapter 1, James wrote these words, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
The implication of those words is that the person who has faith in Jesus ought to be a person filled with wisdom. And if he or she senses any lack of wisdom, they ought to correct that by by asking of God, who James says will be more than glad to give it. In this section, however, James deals not so much with the need for wisdom, but what wisdom actually looks like, what true godly spiritual wisdom is. Now, it's interesting. Some have said that the book of James is the New Testament version, we might say, of the book of Proverbs. For one, we've seen already that there are many of James' words that are tied to to statements or Proverbs found in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. But even more so now, his emphasis on wisdom is an emphasis that's found in the book of Proverbs. For there, if you would read through the book, especially the first part of it, there you hear the call to seek after wisdom, to gain wisdom, to make wisdom the goal of one's life. Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 15 says this, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. We often find wisdom and understanding tied together. For the gain of her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. With wisdom. Just as as we'll see in James' words, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs is a wisdom that comes from God. It begins with God, and most of all, because it comes from God, it affects the way in which we live our lives. It's a wisdom that's revealed then in a life of righteousness that is right living before God. It's a wisdom that keeps us from evil and from wrongdoing. It's a wisdom that leads us into the blessing of God, for it flows out of our relationship with God. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. See, biblical wisdom is a wisdom that starts with God. You take God out of the picture, there's no, there's no wisdom. And so it means that very much unlike the wisdom of this world, true wisdom is going to come to those who are living a real life of faith. Faith in the one from whom that wisdom comes. You know, we need to look at the context here as well just a little bit and as we read through James' letter to his scattered flock, you remember I, I said James is there in Jerusalem, but, but his flock, Jewish believers, have been scattered because of persecution throughout their, their, their world there. And it becomes more and more apparent as we read through his letter that James was really concerned that discord was, was beginning to grow within the congregations to which he was writing. As we saw in chapter 2, there were apparently divisions taking place based upon distinctions being made, showing favoritism to those of power and wealth and often at the expense of the poor. And from chapter 3, we can assume that there were those who were using their tongues. We looked at that last week. They were using their tongues to sow seeds of discord. Next week in chapter 4, we're going to hear James explicitly talk about the fights and the quarrels. Can you imagine a church that has fights and quarrels? Oh, pastor, don't go there, right? But you see, it's in this context where there's discord in the church, that James begins to talk about wisdom. And he begins in verse 13 with with a challenge. Actually, it's a question that seems to challenge the people to whom he's writing. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? 
Then it's who of you think you are wise? Which of you considers yourself to be a wise person? And in James' mind, a lot of hands were going up. After all, everyone likes to think of themselves as wise, even if we don't put up our hands. That is, we all like to think we understand it all, we know it all, we have the answers and solutions to the problem of our lives, of our world. We, we, we know what, what ought to be done and how everyone around us ought to live. Right? We're all very free with our advice, thinking we're wise. Right? I've heard it said that, um, that it's very easy for couples before they have children to dispense a lot of wisdom on how to raise kids, right? <laughs> Until they got one in their own back pocket there, you know? <laughs> you see, James' question was actually an, an indictment. Oh, I see all those hands going up. Well, if you're so wise, prove it. How? Not by the words you say or the knowledge that you dispense, but by the way in which you live your life. You see, for James, wisdom wasn't about having all the answers or being able to come up with all the right opinions or being able to convince others that your opinion is the right opinion. Rather, wisdom was shown, first of all, by means of how one lived their life. He says, their good life by deeds done in humility. That word that is used there that's translated in many of our Bibles as humility. It's a very special word because it really speaks of gentleness or or willingly submitting oneself to another. It's the very same word that Jesus uses of himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine 29, when he says, take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That is, I willingly submit myself, and I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, Proverbs eleven two says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Hmm. Think of it this morning. How many people do you know that are wise based on that definition? Humility, gentleness. What about yourself? See, most people think it's wise to find a way to the top, to make their voice heard, to climb the ladder of success, to get their way, to find a way to get everyone else to submit to them, to their will, to their opinion. But according to James, true wisdom is, first of all, about learning to live one's life the way God would have us live, the way Jesus would have us live. Wisdom is about learning what it means to live a godly life. The wise person is the one who's learned what it means to live humbly before both God and man. It's about deeds done in humility. And then James goes on to create this contrast or speak of this contrast between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. He begins by talking about earthly or worldly wisdom in verses 14 through 16. This is the wisdom, he says, that does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. Hmm. You see, this is what the world considers to be wise. This is wisdom that is based on a human way of thinking, understanding, and living. And Think about it. What life advice would the world around us give to us? What would our culture consider to be wise? What does our natural way of thinking consider to be wise? You know what it says to us. Get all that you can out of life. Go for the gusto. Don't let anyone push you around. Make sure your voice is heard and everyone comes around to your way of thinking. And we could go on and on and on. Verse 14, verse 14 says this. He says, 
But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Literally, literally from the original says this, do not boast about your bitter zeal and selfish ambition. Or could be translated this way, don't take pride in your partisan defense of the truth as you gain, as you try to gain the advantage over others. In other words, people of worldly wisdom are people who are focused on themselves. They're filled with selfish ambition. They're always trying to prove themselves right. They're always trying to get one up on the next guy. They are those who are caught up in trying to convince the other person that they're right and you're wrong. They always are trying to come up on, come out on top. And people like this, James says, they are filled with bitter envy and selfish ambitions. They think of themselves ahead of others. They're, they're always ready to get ahead, to make, make, make something of themselves, to prove their point. Even at the expense of others, they want everyone to submit to them. And listen, we know we live in that kind of world, do we not? We call it a dog-eat-dog world. James says this kind of wisdom is earthly. It comes from this world. It represents the ways and thinking of this world. It's unspiritual. It has nothing to do that which is with that which is spiritual or godly. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God, nothing to do with a life of faith. And then he even goes as far as to say, this kind of wisdom, it's demonic. Wow, that's like a slap in the face, huh? But he's saying that actually that kind of thinking comes, that kind of wisdom comes from the realm of demons, for it's filled with all kinds of evil, and it leads to all kinds of evil. You see, there's nothing of God or the Spirit of God involved in this kind of wisdom. Even if the person is talking about spiritual things, maybe even what they're saying is truth, but what's in their heart has nothing to do with God. In verse 16, he says, this kind of wisdom results in disorder and every evil practice. No wonder James calls it demonic. That word disorder speaks of anarchy, chaos, turmoil, confusion. Every evil practice speaks of worthless activity, activity that's of no benefit to anyone. It's just the opposite. It, it, it's, it's the demise of those who live in this way. You see, this kind of wisdom ends up destroying one's spiritual life as well as destroying those around them. This kind of wisdom doesn't build up. It tears down. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't lead to what's right and true. It doesn't lead anyone into God's will for their life. Rather, it creates confusion, division, unrest, and worthless activity. Listen, you may have heard it said, but being right is not always right. You know what I mean? We can be right, but well, the way we're right is not always right. I don't know if that makes sense, right? If I said that right. Your A.W. Tozer says, says this. He writes of those who spend their time trying to figure out all the mysteries of theological thoughts, such as predestination, election, and divine sovereignty. Wouldn't you like to have all that figured out, right? right? But he writes this. Prying into them may make theologians, but it will rarely make saints. Hmm. Figuring all that stuff out may make you a theologian, but it rarely makes sense. And such could be said of many other theological questions. Such could be the case for those who spend their time trying to figure out all the intricacies of politics, economics, pandemics, and so forth. And not that it's wrong to dive into these things or develop an opinion, but according to James, wisdom is not having, having the right kind of knowledge, the right kind of opinion, and then convincing everyone else of what you think is right. That so-called wisdom only creates division and confusion. And let me say, 
that I have, I've experienced the fact that even through this past year, we have had more division within our families, more division within churches and so forth, as everyone seems to have their opinion on what's right and what's wrong with politics and pandemics and all these things, right? Everybody's an expert these days because we read something on Facebook, you know? Everyone seems to have the answers. Yet at the same time, we've never seen so many people divided and in conflict. James' words have proven themselves to be true right in front of our own eyes. But he goes on to speak then about godly wisdom, the wisdom that comes from heaven. How many of us want godly wisdom in our lives? Oh, come on, you know? You know, I've told you before, like, man, when I to prepare a sermon like this, like, like I'm in this, like, from, like, Tuesday on, you know? And I'm like, man, God, this is, like, this is hard. Like, show, show me how this, like, really applies to my life. God, I want wisdom that comes from heaven. Proverbs 2, 6 says, The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. James says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given. I want to tell you this morning, church, there's a wisdom that comes from heaven. And it's available to us. It's accessible to us. It's a wisdom that comes from God himself, even from the very heart of God. It's a wisdom that just like everything else in the kingdom of God, it's, it's antithetical to the wisdom of this world. Its results are so, so different. And James gives to us a pretty full description of what this kind of wisdom is like, and it's, it's so different. In fact, as we read through this list, we can't help but notice, hey, this sounds like the fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit. We just looked at that on, on Wednesday night. Galatians 5, as God comes into our lives by his Holy Spirit, and he gives us wisdom. It sounds like Jesus' teaching, that teaching that we call the Beatitudes. For James says, listen, the wisdom that comes from above, it's pure. It's not mixed with wrong motives, with sinful attitudes. It's peace-loving. That is, it seeks out ways to bring about peace as opposed to conflict. It, it's not in competition. It's not selfish. It's considerate, that is, it's gentle, it's kind. It doesn't insist on its own way. It doesn't press the letter of the law. It gives deference to others. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a wisdom that, that incorporates exercising love's leniency. Grace, call that. It's submissive, a readiness and a willingness to yield to others and learn from others, right? We're not stubborn. As James says earlier in his letter, we're slow to speak and quick to, come on, listen. Come on, we're slow to speak and quick to listen. It's full of mercy and good fruit. That is, it's filled with acts of kindness, always ready to help those in need. It's generous towards those in need. It's impartial. It makes no distinctions. It shows no favoritism like we saw in chapter 2. And it's sincere without hypocrisy, genuine in what you see. In fact, what you see is what you get. And I don't think any of us, any of, and I don't think any of this is what we think of when we think of wisdom. But James' point is clear. True wisdom doesn't, doesn't first of all, reveal itself in wise words or proving oneself right. But true wisdom, godly wisdom, reveals itself through a life of godliness. A life that is lived very, very much unlike the world around us. It teaches us to live in a totally different way. 
It teaches us to live in a way that that leads us away from the ways of the world and instead live the kind of life that God calls us to. Amen, church? Come on, we need that kind of wisdom. God, show me how I can live my life the way you would have me live it. See, this is the kind of wisdom that's found in Jesus' teachings when he talks about laying down our lives, turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, giving more than's asked for, loving not just our neighbors, but even loving our enemies, putting others ahead of ourselves, laying down our lives for our friends, and on and on. And in verse 18, it seems that James gives to us the summary of it all when he says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. In fact, this verse seems to be set up in contrast to verse 16. Whereas worldly wisdom, you see, results in turmoil, confusion, disorder, and every evil practice. Wisdom that's from above, godly wisdom, results in peacemakers sowing seeds of peace and reaping a harvest of righteousness. That is, those who have true wisdom will live lives of peace, will cultivate a climate of peace, will continually sow seeds of peace, and the result will be righteousness, a life that is lived truly pleasing and honoring to God. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Let me ask you, have you ever met someone, maybe it's you yourself, but that person is constantly in a place of conflict with somebody? They're always coming talking about some conflict that they're having with someone, some like argument, some, some, you know, something's going on, there's tension. I've met those kind of people. If it's not one person, it's the next. It's your boss. It's their, it's, it's their, it's, it's their um, co-worker. It's, it's a fellow student. It's their mother. It's their father. It's their child, whatever it is. They're always in conflict. Listen, I want to tell you, that kind of person No matter what comes out of their mouth, no matter how much they might know, how much good advice they might give, that person is not a wise person. But James says that truly wise people, they don't live their lives in conflict and discord. They don't add to conflict and discord, but rather they add to peace. They add to peace. And so in conclusion this morning, let me ask us, James' question one more time. Who is wise and understanding among us? That is, of those of us who are here, let me ask you, who is truly a wise person? And I know that most of us right now are probably afraid to lift our hands, right? I'm I'm afraid to lift my hand, you know? Right, when we look at James' definition. Is Luciano here? Thank you, Luciano. Sorry, I couldn't see you there. Who's truly a wise person? And listen, if you are truly wise, filled with wisdom that comes down from heaven, just like your faith, your wisdom will be evident in the way in which you live your life. For people of real wisdom, people who are filled with God's wisdom, are those whose lives are filled with, as James says, deeds done in humility. They are those who've learned what it means to walk humbly before God and before man. They are those who've learned what it means to sow seeds of peace, and they are those whose lives are filled with all kinds of good fruit, even, we could say, the fruit of the Spirit. And so I ask us again, who is wise and understanding among us? And if you sense today that you're lacking in wisdom, that somehow your life is not in line with godly wisdom, then James would say to us again, you should ask God. You should ask of God, and it will be given to you. 
I close with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Many of you know it well, right? We say it over and over again, right? But in this context, it means so much. For trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Can I read that to you one more time? Or can I read that church to us one more time? Oh, I've been like, kind of like working on this, like, oh, all week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding, that human way of understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Live your life in relationship with him. Submit yourself to him and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Listen, a life of faith is a life that's filled with godly wisdom. Would you stand together? We're going to pray. Worship team, would you come? Come on, right now. Right now, whether you're online this morning, you're here in this sanctuary, would you just begin to pray? Would you say, God, today I'm doing what James says to do. I'm asking you for wisdom, not the wisdom of this world, but I'm asking you for wisdom that comes on from on high, that I might live my life the way you would have me live it, that I might live my life in humility, filled with good deeds, sowing seeds of peace in a, in a, in a way that brings you honor, that exhibits godliness. Oh, come on, church. Oh, we need, we need wisdom from on high, especially in the day in which we live. There's so many voices around us. There's so many voices speaking to us today, telling us, do this and do that. Go this way, go that way. Oh, but we need wisdom from on high that we might know what it means to live lives of righteousness. So, Father, I pray for your people this morning. God, as we offer ourselves to you, as we surrender ourselves to you, that you would fill us. Fill us with your wisdom. We want wisdom from on high. So we submit ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you and say, Lord, would you fill us today? Fill us today with the wisdom that comes from your heart, from your mind. We know, God, that your ways are, are, are far different from our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your wisdom is not our wisdom. But God, you can give to your people understanding and insight, not just so we might know more things, but that we might live lives in a way that would honor you that represents the work of Christ in our lives, filled with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of your Spirit. So God, we surrender to you today. We surrender to you today and say, God, let your wisdom from on high fill us today, filling our hearts and minds. Come on, will you sing it with the worship team?